This is the Kestrel Country Podcast, where we discuss the people, places, and events all around Kestrel Country. Katie Grauke, thank you so much for coming on board. Yep. I'm going to have you scoot closer to your mic though. Okay. <laughs> Just so there everyone can hear you. Okay. Uh, so Katie and I have known each other for a long time, long time, long time. And Katie is one of those incredibly talented people. Um, Katie was my violin teacher <laughs> for a long time and she's an amazing violinist, but she's also an amazing caterer and we're having her on to talk about that today. Um, so Katie, can you give us a little background on how you got into it and how long you've been in Moscow? Well, I give credit to my mama. Uh, she taught me to love food and to love how to cook. And then uh, as a senior at Logos, I had the opportunity to do an internship. Uh, and I just decided, oh, I'll just go find a local caterer just for fun and intern with her. And she, uh, her name was Chef Cheryl. She's since retired and moved from the area. But she she's like, oh, I've never done that before. Sure. She took me under her wing and basically taught me all knife skills, food <laughs> safety, how to order, how to, you know, mass produce recipes. And she gave me all these skills for free. And, uh, as a result, I, uh, that following summer, she took me on full time as her sous chef, which was super fun. That was so really I really got this, um, freebie of a, uh, education as far as culinary skills go. And, uh, I've never been able to thank her. I can't, I don't even know where she is. Chef Cheryl, thank you. Uh, she, uh, retired and, and moved out of the area and that was it. But she, she gave it all that to me and I just kind of took it and ran with it. I taught violin forever, mm-hmm. but when I had my fifth baby, I was like, all right, this is, I need a little bit, I need to mix this up too much going on during the week. And, um, I love catering because you can pick pick weekends where you're like, okay, I have an event this weekend, but I can clear the rest of the month, you know, based on my kids' activities. So that's basically it. The Lord was very kind. He kind of like plopped me into a situation, got me going. And the greatest thing is that I'm able to use the skills with catering, uh, my education that I received in that regard and apply it to just my everyday family cooking. When did you really start jumping back into catering? Cause you did you, so this was high school and then you had kids, you got married. Isaac's been on the podcast for fly fishing and yeah. Katie would also be amazing at talking about that. But, um, but so you jumped back into catering how many years ago? I eased, I eased into it. Okay. So there was no official, I did a few events here, a few events there, and it really wasn't until I want to say I think Ben was born. So maybe 2011 ish that I feel like I was really kicking it into full gear and felt like I had enough time with Mm -hmm. my littles. Yeah. And then Thresh became a thing. And yeah, we finally got a a logo and all that. All the official. Yeah. Yeah. Got a little bit, a little bit more serious. Yeah. So in terms of helping the everyday cook, because you said you use it in your regular cooking and Katie also will do weekly hosting for small groups, uh, for our small group. And it's not small. It's like a hundred plus people. And so you're doing it all the time, but especially thinking about Christmas, 
how, what are some of those tips? Like, okay, you're going to have a big group of people say you're having 20 to 40 people in your home and it's not the normal and normal average kitchen size. So what are some of the tips that you start with beforehand to make that way easier on yourself? Uh, One of the things I really like to do is make sure that I'm using recipes that I trust. That's really important. Okay. So don't try a new recipe for a big group of people Uh and like, oh, it's serve six. So let me multiply that times four and just we'll see. Yeah. That's not a recipe for a relaxing hospitality session. It really is not. So I would go with tried and true, or one of the things that I love to do is test recipes on my own family, Mm. extended family. If you have extended family in town, I have a lot of extended family and frequently our Sabbath dinners have 20 people. Mm -hmm. And so that's a great time to practice. There's no pressure. There's no like, okay, here it is. I hope it's good. You, your family is very forgiving. If something's a little undersalted or a little overdone or whatever it is, they're just happy to be fed. Mm -hmm. So try that. Have some of your closest friends, low pressure situation, try out a few recipes and see how you like them. Oftentimes a recipe might appear easy, but Mm -hmm. as you're doing it, you realize, oh, there's a lot of dirty dishes in the sink. This took way more effort and time than I actually thought when I looked at the recipe. So going through it and and not trying anything new for the holidays when you've got 20 people coming over for the first time, uh, I think that's, that's a big tip. That is a good one. What about avoiding the kitchen explosion? So you mentioned the huge pile of dirty dishes. And I think that is one of those things that stops you potentially from doing it again, is if you had to pull three pots out because you started with the small one too small and then you ended yes. up dividing it into two because it, it won't even fit in one pot. You know, so those kinds of things. How do you avoid that horrible like, oh <laughs> mashed potatoes is a great oh, example of what you're talking yes, about. Yes, because it is. you have to get a cutting board out with a knife and then a pot and, and then a peeled. strainer and the peeler yep. and the whole bit. Um the the best bit of advice I can do uh give give is Two things. Wash dishes as you go. Do not put it off. Go slower. Mm-hmm. Wash dishes as you go. Keep the dishwasher running do you, on the quick cycle if you can. Do you put them away? The, oh, yeah. Okay, so dry, put away. Absolutely. Wash, dry, I'm put away. I'm very meticulous about this in my home kitchen. If you have any kids you want to help, I've even, just for fun, just blessed by my teenage kids, I'm like, hey, I have a busy day today. I'll pay you 20 bucks. And they're like, Oh, really? You know, they <laughs> yeah. love that. You know, yeah. it's actually a treat. Yep. They're like quick 20 bucks. I like that. That's good. So, uh, take, that's a good take tip. Take that to heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, apply, uh, your child labor if you have it, especially when they need money at Christmas. Exactly. They do. They yeah. want to go shopping for their siblings and all of that. So that that's one thing. Clean as you go. The second thing is make ahead. And a lot of people struggle with, um, if you make ahead, the question is, how do I reheat it all? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of another puzzle that mm-hmm. you have to work out depending on what your menu is. But mashed potatoes, for one thing, are very easy to make the day of. So if you start those at around noon, the process just takes a little bit of time. And again, cleaning as you go, you can have a, a pan of room temperature mashed potatoes ready to go in the oven mm-hmm. at, by three or four. Mm-hmm. And 
it's it's okay to leave your room temperature stuff out for a couple of hours before you put it in the oven and get it up to that safe 145 to 165 degrees. Mm-hmm. So that I would definitely recommend that. And then yeah. once they come out of the oven, you'd be surprised how long they the expression in the catering world is hold. They okay. hold their temperature really, really well. So if you have some foil thrown over those, you can pull them out at five and they'll be okay, still warm and delicious to eat at six if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. So. What about, um, so if you don't have a Cambro or a hot box, the cooler method oh, yeah. is pretty great to maintain temperature. Yep. But you probably wouldn't want everything in there because of the moisture. Um, and uh, most people, caterers like me, I have these great things called hotel pans. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's an investment. These are metal pans that are basically the equivalent of two nine by 13 casserole dishes. They fit in all standard size ovens. You can get two inch, four inch, six inch in depth. And then you can also invest in metal lids, mm-hmm. which is fantastic for stacking in the refrigerator and in storage. So if you're of all these things come out of the oven piping hot and you want to keep them hot. You, and if you have a big enough cooler width wise to stick these pans into, it's a great option. If you have that, if you don't have the metal pan and the yeah. metal lid, you can only go one level deep or things will get crushed. Yeah. It just doesn't really work. Yeah. That makes sense. So, but it's a great thing, by the way, look it up. If you don't know what to ask for, for Christmas and you yeah. love to cook, Investing in a few of those types of things. Oh, they're great. It's amazing how many people, if once they see me uh, pull out my Cambro hot box, I want just look up those on Amazon. Yeah. They're not even that expensive. As far as a fun Christmas gift you could ask for, that's a really, really good option. You just stow it in your um, garage and pull it out whenever you have to do a, a holiday. Yeah. It no. simplifies things so much. Those hot boxes keep things hot for, well, like eight hours. Yeah. It's amazing. It's, it, it's really amazing how, how hot they come out of there, but you're, you mentioned the garage and that's another one, you know, if you've got a cold weather and you've got a garage that's clean, mm-hmm. you can pop a table up as your prep table and Absolutely. have stuff out there and be yep. running back and forth for the garage. But if you've got the kitchen of a normal house or apartment, well, apartment, you don't have a garage, but if you've got a normal kitchen or a small kitchen, then using your garage space is really handy. I, I of course never use the garage method for any kind of official catering that I do, right, but right, for right. my own personal use, I will totally, if mm-hmm. it's 35 degrees out there, I have thermometers out there. I will absolutely keep vegetables out there. Yep. Something that's <laughs> totally easy. Will. We just did I this. I just monitor the, the temperature. And if it's like 10 degrees outside and I crack a window in the garage, then I'm pretty confident. Mm-hmm, I, don't, I don't keep meat out there yeah, or dairy. That makes sense. There's certain things that I really want to make sure that the temperature is right, but vegetables and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. I, I have no qualms about doing that. Yeah. It's a good storage method. So what about the size of your kitchen when you're hosting and then it's coming back? So you've got the clean as you go, but then when the food's done, what about getting it all prepped and laid out? So any tips on how to help the traffic through the kitchen, if it's not a huge kitchen or, you know, you don't have an Island or however you might end up be serving, end up serving people. Um, if you're not doing it on the table like buffet versus yeah. Um, because everybody's kitchen is probably a little bit different. Yeah. Um, some scenarios that I have run into that have been helpful are setting up a car table with the tablecloth mm-hmm. kind of closer to the dining room. Um, one thing to remember is that sometimes, well, not sometimes 
all the time, at least in my house, where people congregate as mm-hmm. soon as they get there is the kitchen. Yeah. They always do. Which is another reason and for it, clean dishes. <laughs> exactly. Another <laughs> argument for cleaning as you go. Yeah. Um, so if you, if you know people are going to be congregating in the kitchen and you don't have like a huge island where you can both set out the casserole dishes for dinner and also whatever little snacks you want to yeah. provide and maybe some wine glasses and wine set out there also setting up the appetizers and wine in the kitchen and then have the dinner food, the buffet, so to speak mm-hmm. on a separate table that you just temporarily set up closer to the dining room yeah. is, is a good way to kind of separate that out because otherwise, yeah, things can get a little bit congested in mm-hmm. the kitchen. If you have a huge Island, it's not a problem, no. but yeah, thinking about flow and where people are going to be is helpful. It's worth the thought. Well, and while you're on that, since you've been catering at various places, how do you help people with that? You know, so whether you're catering at an event space or in your own home or in, you know, an office building, how do you help get the flow so that it doesn't turn into this crammed section here? And then you've got two random people who couldn't quite fit (laughs) hanging out over here. Right. How do you help the flow or what should you think? It's really, really important. If you have a smaller group, it's not as important. So if you've got 10 to 12 people, you're just not even going to think about flow. And in fact, in my kitchen, because I have a lot of like open openings to the kitchen, even 20 people is not an issue. So mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about that so much. But if you're talking 50 people, yeah. 75, 100, you do need to think about it. It's really, really important. Where are the plates going to go if they're not on the table? Right. You know, you need to have a stack of plates. That's the signal. That's where people start going through for the food and dishing up and going around. You want to have everything in order. So what is that order that you prefer on a buffet? Um, So I think about where I want people lining up to go. And again, this is with a lot of people. Right. If it's a smaller group, people can kind of like, oh, I forgot cranberry sauce or whatever. And they're kind of cutting in line and doing their thing. But if it's a big group, you want them to go through, grab their plate. And usually it it depends, but usually do sides first. Mm -hmm. Sides first is great because you know how kids can be sometimes. (laughs) They're like... Oh, beef. Yeah. I love roast beef. I'll take a pound of roast beef. And then of course they don't have a stomach that can eat all of that. And it kind of goes Goes to waste. waste. So put the rolls first (laughs) Yes, and let them grab a roll. And people usually typically take as much food as their plate can hold. That's another hack. So whatever size of plate to be using. Yes. So if you're, if you're doing a heavy order, hors d'oeuvre appetizer dinner, it's one of my least favorite things. It's a lot of work because it's all the teeny it's little things, many little things yeah. that you're cooking for, shopping for, preparing. Uh, don't care for that. But that's the thing though. If you give, if you're doing all that work and you're wondering, Oh, do I have enough? Well, if you give people a huge dinner plate, then guess what they're going to do? They're going to fill up their mm-hmm. dinner plate, whether or not they can actually eat it. Yeah. So in those scenarios, I'd probably go with a smaller, like salad size plate and let people go back for seconds. That would be smart. My, mm-hmm. my tip on that one. But so start, start out with your pile of plates and then let people go through, do the sides first, rolls, salad, veggies, and all that, and then do your meat at the very end. Mm-hmm. And then whatever garnishes you want to add, depending on what you're doing, gravies, relishes, whatever. Yeah. And then have people go directly from there to where they're sitting. And then one thing I learned years ago, and whether or not you have your table set. So if you have your 
silverware on the counter in the buffet lane to put it at the very end, the silverware and napkins. Mm -hmm. Cause then you're not trying to juggle all of that with your plate while you're dishing your plate. But at the very end, you can just tuck it in. Although people can get confused about where it, where it's located. Yeah. Um, oftentimes I, I put silverware and napkins. If I'm doing a fancy holiday meal, I will put those on the table. So So they just sit down. Yeah. It's just one last thing. It is. Disposables are also a really great tip. And there's some good disposables out there. Really heavy duty. Mm-hmm. And the so disposable silverware options looks are really good. fun because mm-hmm. they paint them. You can get them silver colored, gold colored, yep. all these fun colors, which can be really festive. Yep. So I highly recommend that. No, that's for sure. When do you vote for plating the dinner versus buffeting the dinner and family style? Is there like a number or a size? Mm. It depends on how much work you want to do right before. So it just takes, you have to calculate if you want to plate everything, you have to calculate a little bit of time to actually put the plates out. You have to have a place to put all the plates out, like a big enough counter. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, so if you, if you need a plate for 12 people, probably most people could accommodate 12 dinner plates, but then where do your pans go? Mm -hmm. You you know, Mm -hmm. just calculate that out. Um, a lot of the time, if it's a special, special dinner, I will put, you know, like a, a 70th birthday or something like mm-hmm. that, you know, a little fancier, a little special, more special, maybe invite some special friends to join. I would design the menu around that. But most of the time, it's not not really worth it. Yeah. I would say yeah. I, I could see um, one thing we have done before is plate the salad mm. and get the salad course or a soup course. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to do, do something a little bit more elegant, get that out there on each place setting. And then people sit down and then they can get up, they clear their own bowls mm-hmm. and put them in the sink and go through the dinner buffet. Yeah. But you have to account for who's going to be clearing. And do you want your kids to be dealing with that or not? Or, you know, that's yeah, the age of the group of people. Yes. Yeah. And there's more dishes. It, yeah. You have to factor that into that's a yeah. tough one. Again, another plug for those really heavy duty plastic disposable plates. It's those true. are amazing. They are. Those amazing. are so amazing. And you can get them at Costco or mm-hmm. Michael's or wherever you are. They're everywhere. Yeah. So although on the buffet side of life too, you've got a bunch of really good large, large pieces to hold a ton of food. Mm-hmm. which I think is a helpful one, a helpful tip, because if you have small bowls holding all your stuff, you're either refilling your buffet bowls all the time, or it just doesn't present well, or you need way too many and you don't have enough. Yeah. So getting the big pieces of whether it's platters or, and not breakable ones, you know, things like yeah. that are, are helpful. And ask for those sorts of things for your birthday yeah. or Christmas, you know, just say, I'm looking yeah. for large scale things. I often pick them up, um, places like TJ Maxx, Mm. Walmart of all places. They actually have some really fun, larger bowls. If you Mm. actually look, look through their little section there and it's really inexpensive targets, another one. Okay. And they break. They break a lot, so yeah. st- just don't go to Williams Sonoma. Get, Why would you don't do get that? heirloom? If you things. have, like, if you <laughs> want to invest in a two hundred dollar gorgeous platter, oh, oh. that's fine. Yeah. but kids will probably be washing or it. it'll chip. Yeah, it's just the way. Yeah. So if you're spending twenty to thirty range, so 
one zero less than <laughs> some some of those can really get up there. They're yeah. so pretty. Pottery I know it's and, gorgeous. You know, they, and they it's just, fun to have some of those pieces, but yes. but you're probably using those with a much smaller crowd. Uh, and maybe no children involved in the cleanup. Because right. It just. That's yeah. what happens. You yeah. just have to be open to things getting dropped or slip or mm-hmm. whatever it is and, and not stress the kids out. Like, do not chip. Yes. Yeah. That'll ruin there. Yeah. Cause then how do you right. wash the dishes? And, and then what yeah. if it does slip and chip? Then yeah. that feels so sad. So horrible. And that's unkind. <laughs> yeah. I think that's unkind to your kids. So, so you mentioned more of your stuff from catering. I mean, you learned all the tips. What other big items were big game changers for you in terms of planning group meals? Recipe conversions and uh, making copious notes. And I use Google spreadsheets. Mm-hmm. That's a really helpful thing. I do like spreadsheets. I, I love spreadsheets. <laughs> and I write notes constantly. Even if I've made the same thing many times before, I'm always updating. Hmm. Um, oh, there, I had too many potatoes this last time. I'm like, why? I'm like, oh, it's because... There were more kids, fewer adults, or, you know, yeah. you're always like making notes to make, make the whole process of, it's just daunting. 25 yeah. people are coming over. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I have enough food, but if you make those notes and you go and you look, you'll remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you it can't went, remember on your own. No, you no, can't. Do your brain doesn't hold anything. Or at least my brain doesn't. Terrible, terrible idea. Yeah. I, I always think I'll remember, um, for a long time, I used like I would tear out recipes from magazines, cooking magazines. Yeah, and that was a great system because I had like a, a notebook with little clear slip-ins. Yeah, where you could so you just could slide just, it right in there. Yeah, and you always find you it. Create your own cookbook. When I switched over to saving my recipes digitally on Pinterest, this was like 2010-ish. I want to say I started doing that. Yep. Um, that's where I got into some serious trouble. Because you, you can save so many more oh, recipes so quickly. So easily. And then you're like, oh, I want to make that amazing brownie recipe. And you look up, brownie. you search brownie on yeah. your Pinterest, and you have like 12 of them. Yeah. And you have to go through that process all over again because you can't remember which one it was. Yeah. So that's why I like spreadsheets. If I try a new recipe and I like it, I know I'll do it again. I immediately copy down... What I did, I almost always make a small adjustment just based mm-hmm. on what I have in the fridge. Write that down. And then I take a note of how many servings it made. Mm-hmm. So that's actually really helpful. So, yeah. And you can kind of eyeball it. Like I've got teenagers, so they'll take adult-sized portions. And then I have a couple younger kids who have take a little bit less. But I can look and realistically say like, oh, you know what? I think that would probably feed 10 people, mm-hmm. you know, you can kind of eyeball that. And mm-hmm. I write it on the note. Oftentimes, uh, recipes that you'll see online or in, in, you know, magazines and whatnot, it'll be like serves four. Right. And then you make it and it serves quite a bit. More. Yeah. It's like, you know, this was an eight to 10. Yeah. 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 So, you know, just being mindful of that and writing it down, typing it down mm-hmm. in my case is very, very helpful. And then if you have a recipe that you've made once for your family and you feel pretty confident that it's times 10, if you're having 20 people, mm-hmm. just multiply everything times two yeah. right there on the in column. your spreadsheet. Yep. And there you have it. It takes away a lot of the guesswork. So with that, the backing up to your process, which is really great. Um, thinking through moving around because people are jumping kitchens or, you know, if you're, we're in that business where people move and we help them get new spots. How do you, what would you recommend? They're setting up their kitchen. I, 
they should keep their recipes online. Cause I think part of the thing is, is you kind of, if you don't start a system, you, you fall into a system Right. and you're mentioning Pinterest and I've totally done that. And, or you just have this pile of recipes and, or, you know, and then some here and some here and a million cookbooks taking up space. Um, so what, what would your tip be? Cause it's also easy to get stuck, not doing a system and you're like, well, it's gotta be perfect. You know, I'm like, no, it doesn't oh, have wow. to be perfect. And you don't have to yeah. have the perfect equipment or anything like that. But what is a very simple, you know, getting on a spreadsheet is great. Any other thoughts along, okay. Setting up your kitchen, setting up your cookbooks, kind of, you know, how you run things. One of, well, I, we had the privilege of being able to kind of design our kitchen because we had our house built. Which is good. That's that's always a bonus. (laughs) But that's a huge daunting thing too for people to build their kitchen. Yeah. Um, I spent a ton of time thinking about that. And I always think about zones. So there are three basic zones that our family uses at one time. The first is the sink area, sink dishwasher. And think about what goes on there. So you wash dishes, the dishwasher is there, mm-hmm. unloading of loading of the dishes. So with that zone, I think about, okay, where should the everyday dishes and silverware and mm-hmm. glassware go? Okay. So I think about that zone and I kind of all, I want it all more or less in one area. So, and it's mostly just to like help my kids not have to run all the way across the kitchen to put away the glasses. Yeah. You know, you, you're putting away the, the dishes and in my kitchen, there's a drawer for plates, a drawer, a big, deep drawer, a big drawer for plates, a big drawer for, um, bowls, a big drawer for coffee, coffee cups and, and everyday cups. Mm-hmm. So all at easy all level right there. Mm-hmm. just like, droop, yep. drop it down and super quick and efficient. And I, I've really, really loved it. Silverware also like keep that mm-hmm. silverware drawer right there. So that's one zone. Okay. So the, the clean zone the is clean zone one. Zone. Okay. And then the next zone as you're moving along the kitchen is the cooktop or the range, mm-hmm. the oven. Um, and in my kitchen, I have some wall ovens and it's just the cooktop. So depending on what you have, um, some things that you would want to keep in that zone, you want to keep your oils, Mm -hmm. olive oil, your cooking oil, your, you know, all of those things. I have a drawer of my spices Mm -hmm. as you're cooking, you'll want to pull out garlic powder or oregano or whatever it is. And you want to keep that handy. So you're not having to like run all the way around. Um, I'm, I'm particular about what I keep in that little zone, if it's a spice that I almost never use or an oil that's mm-hmm. very, very special that I hardly ever reach for, I put that in the pantry. Okay. The pantry is a place where, you know, you don't need everyday access to something. Um, I don't need that right there in my cooking zone, but you want your kosher salt, you want your salt, your salt and pepper right. and, and hot pads, you know, that kind of thing. And, and I want my pots and my pans to be there too, right. if I can you know, right. if you have that but your everyday grab. I think yeah. that's super important because it's so yeah. easy to buy extra spices and then your spice drawer turns into this a whole <sighs> jumble. Yes, where you and can't find anything. Or it's getting stuck or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. And then the last zone is the refrigerator zone. And uh, I really like this zone to be separate if I can from the other two simply because I have five kids. 
And I really like, I like them to be able to be getting in and out of the refrigerator, like making their lunches in the morning. And that doesn't interfere with the dishwasher loading mm-hmm. and unloading. It's just yeah. easier. People right. can go get water out of the fridge. They can go get a glass of milk or whatever it is. And they're kind of out of the busy hustle and bustle of preparing food, mm. basically. Smart. So, yeah. No, yeah. that's really smart and very helpful. Because I think that's daunting. The kitchen is... Well, it's what sells the house when you, you know, and, and it is for, like you said, it's where everybody comes and gathers and it's where people end up hanging out, but it can be just a major clogged zone. Yeah. 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 No, that's fantastic. Well, we're running out of time and we might've run out of time already on that, which is okay. (laughs) But any final thoughts or one of your favorite things for a Christmas tip as we leave? Um, Be mindful that you still need to be energetic and a nurturing and loving mother. Yes. Even though <laughs> you have a lot on your plate and sometimes in effort to make things extra special or extra fancy or extra Christmassy, mm. a lot of mamas can bite off more than they can chew. Yeah. And so I think it's good to be realistic and check with your spouse. Like, what do you think of this this list of to do's that I have, do you think it's a good idea? And I think they'll give you a pretty honest answer mm-hmm. or they could even be like, well, let me help you with yeah. some of these yeah, things. Let's get rid of a couple. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'll do these <laughs> yeah. things over here so you can focus on this over there. I am very particular on Christmas day. If I'm going to do a big Christmas Eve dinner, I don't do a big dinner on Christmas day. Yeah. So I gotcha. try to just pick one day where I'm cooking and the other day when I'm not. So, or you could do it in reverse, get takeout for th- for mm-hmm. Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. sushi or whatever it is, yep. or pizza, yep. uh, whatever makes your kids excited. And then on Christmas day, you can do something a little bit more fancy. What we love to do is a fun Christmas Eve dinner. Mm-hmm. And then my kids really, really, really love cracking crab, Dungeness crab legs. Yeah. So we do that on Christmas day, no yeah. cooking involved. You clean the crab, we get it we thawed out frozen. We, I special order it from the grocery store. And so it's as, as fresh as you can kind of get in the middle of Idaho. Right. Um, so we clean it out and we have butter, garlic butter there. And we just sit around the table. Oh, and the kids also love cheese fondue. Oh, I, I love That's cheese fondue. So simple. You can yeah. buy those Swiss packets of it and you just heat it up in a fondue pot or a bowl. Even That's really is fine. Fun. Yeah. With chopped up bread and apples and like cooked broccoli and you have it. You yeah. have your dinner and it's very special to the kids. Yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. That's really fun. Yeah. I love it. Well, Katie, thank you so much. Thanks for taking your time and popping on down. And it's fun to see you. <laughs> so fun to talk about all this. It, oh, it really is. I love it. Yeah. Thanks. Of course. Thanks for joining us. Like, share, subscribe. We'll see you next week.